When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Struggling to sleep? Don't worry, babes, you're not alone. CBD brand CB2 have found that half of UK adults have had their sleep affected by the pandemic, losing between one and two hours of sleep every night. But don't worry, because CBD oil can really help. And I'm so excited that Make It Rain is working with the leading UK CBD brand CB2. Their products change people's lives through better quality sleep and managing symptoms of stress and anxiety, including mine, and my eye bags are thanking me for it. If that wasn't enough for you, their products come in so many different forms. You can choose between an oil, a capsule, a skincare range, or a candle, so you're spoiled for choice. And if you've never used CBD products before, CB2 have a seven-day Discovery Duo starter kit to get you going. So guess what? You can get it for half price. Just head to their website, cbii-cbd.com and use the code MAKEITRAIN and you can experience the feel-good difference for yourself. Hi, I'm Josh Smith and welcome back to my podcast, Make It Rain. I'm a journalist and presenter and I've been lucky enough to sit down and have unfiltered conversations with some truly incredible people. I know from my own experiences how powerful talking and crucially listening to others is, something you have heard about in this very podcast. And without a doubt, my life has been changed by the people I've met. I'm so excited that you are back to join me each week to meet amazing queens who've overcome challenges in their own lives. They're open up about their journey they've been on to harness their power and wear their crowns with pride. I really hope you'll feel empowered to own your own story and make it rain in your own lives too. In this episode of Make It Rain, we are joined by the star of Netflix's hit show, Ginny and Georgia, it's Antonia Gentry. Not familiar with Ginny and Georgia? Wow, prepare to become obsessed. It focuses on a mother-daughter relationship between Georgia and Ginny, who have to navigate a 15-year age gap relocating to a New England town and its discriminatory community and avoiding a mysterious past. Antonia herself was born and raised in Atlanta and after getting her star in a small Netflix film, Candy Jar, in 2018, she was in the middle of graduating when she landed her lead role in Ginny and Georgia. She's since gone on to be nominated for an MTV Movie Award for Best Breakthrough Performance. In this episode, we talk about the intersections of Antonia's identity, the trials and tribulations of growing up, and rediscovering some of her hilarious childhood diaries, which you'll hear about shortly. There are so many amazing words about growing up in this episode, so I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. So crowns at the ready! Well, hello. How are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm good. I'm good. I'm. I mean, you know, I just every day is the same to me. It seems <laughs> time is a concept. I don't. 
I don't subscribe to. So <laughs> um, that's how I'm going. <laughs> I know. How are you? I'm good. I just, I mean, I just got to this stage now where I don't even know how I am, where I am, what is going right. on. But we <laughs> are here. We're alive and we're thriving. So we just got to focus on that, right? <laughs> Yes, 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 that's true. <laughs> and something we have to focus on, babe, Ginny and Georgia. Let's get <laughs> into it. I mean, babe, you had me from the moment you stood up to the teacher in the classroom oh in episode one, when you said the viewpoint of the grade is only that of the white male, thus eradicating my voice as immaterial. And I immaterial. was just, I was just like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and as soon as I had that line, I was going to love it. And I just thought it was so powerful. And I was just wondering, like, in the course of your own life, when have you felt voiceless? My mom always told me, you're small. Yes, like, I'm, I'm like 5'1", I'm microscopic. People, I have to, like, speak loud for people to hear me. They look over me all the time. Um, so, so my mom always made sure to tell me that, you know, you have to use your voice. That's the biggest part of, of you know, of who you are is having a voice and making sure that, um, people, you let people know your thoughts and, and, mm. and your agency. And um, I think it's easy to say that and it's easy to kind of try and remind yourself of that. But when you're in situations, whether it's when you're young, when you're a teenager, like my character, um, where there's a lot of power imbalances uh, and you're still trying to figure, figure out yourself, um, I think it's hard to apply that. But I... I do feel lucky to have had a mom to remind me of having a voice and um by the time I got to college by the time I became a young adult I felt kind of more empowered in expressing myself with my peers but also um you know learning from others as well their experiences so um there are definitely have been moments I think you know just because I'm people underestimate me my size my mm. my sex my um you know my identity uh but but that is something that I think only makes me stronger and it only makes me want to have a stronger voice because of it. So I don't know. Definitely retail though. Retail, you don't have a voice. When you're working as a cashier, you can't say anything to these rude people. So I think, um, I think there have been moments, yeah, where I've wanted to say something, but I couldn't. So <laughs> I mean, babe, I worked at Topshop when I was like from being like 16 to when I was like 23 at uni and <laughs> like the times you have to hold your tongue it's just, I know it teaches it's you like a whole other level of restraint yes <laughs> I agree I agree if you know you know on that if you know, top, you, know. If you, know <laughs> you know you know you know and what I think is so incredible about the show and in particular about what you were just saying is with our identity, there's so many intersections to our identity, mm -hmm. isn't there? Especially when that comes to finding your voice and also feeling like your voice is respected. How have you navigated the different intersections of your own identity? Um, one thing that is frustrating or and has been frustrating in my in my past is being kind of reduced to whether it's the color of my skin or my gender or, you know, my age, whatever it may be. Um, and feeling like I can't take up the spaces that I want to take up just because I've been told that I shouldn't or that mm. I can't. And being in situations where people want to, you know, ask you questions like, um, like, oh, do you identify more 
as black or do you identify more as white or you know you're actually you don't sound black you don't act black at all are you sure you're black and just like things that they you know are stereotyping because that's the box that they've decided to put try to put me in and that's the box they tried to put other people in and if I don't fit whatever convenient box they've set up for me for that moment then there's this sort of perplexed like confusion and um I think for me navigating the intersections of you know being all of the things that I am but and then some and having to kind of work twice as hard for people to understand that I am more than the color of my skin I'm more than my gender I'm more than um, my socioeconomic background whatever it is it's kind of it's been a learning process it's been a learning uh it's it can be frustrating for sure Mm. and I used to be very bitter when I would get asked questions like that or if I would be put into situations where it just feels like you're not really a human being you're just kind of a Um, I don't know, like a museum item Mm -hmm. (laughs) that people are looking at through some glass. Um, But I've, I've, I've come to realize, you know, it's not anything, any situation such as that can be an opportunity for learning and development, whether it's for that person or just, you know, on a more personal level for myself and how I respond and how I react in those situations. Um, You know, they can change someone's mind or not, but they can also, they can always be, an opportunity for growth and so instead of getting angry like I used to and just getting so you know it used to upset me I would come home and I would just things people would say would just be in the back of my mind um but I think I've learned to kind of realize that a lot of these things and a lot of these people a lot of things that they say are indicative of their lack of experience or their ignorance and it's more a pity for them than it is for me because I know who I am and I, I you know, try to walk throughout the world knowing that. Um, so it's really kind of a pick your battle situation when it comes to addressing those kinds of intersections and people who may not understand um, the variety. Like, you know, I'm more than that. I'm also a writer. I'm also an artist. You know, I have mm. things about me that are human that are more than just what someone assumes about me so Mm. and that that can be said for everyone i think oh my god for sure we all still like i mean speaking as a gay man in society i still experience microaggressions every single day Mm -hmm. the tiniest Mm -hmm. things and you're just like and you sometimes just have to pick your battles with them and it's a hard thing (laughs) because especially if you experience it from a young age you Mm -hmm. you're so you're almost like I don't know, it's a really hard thing if you experience microaggressions when you were, say, like a teenager and you're still experiencing them now, and you're still having to come to terms with the teenage version of you that was experiencing those microaggressions, then also the you now who's dealing with those microaggressions. And yeah. then there's still so many frustrating conversations that are going yes, on with yes, that. Yes. What kind of frustrating conversations are you still having to have? And what kind of frustrating microaggressions are you still coming up against where you're like, how have we not moved past this? It's surprising. I I think um, particularly so last year, of course, uh, was one of the worst years in history. Um, And, you know, everyone is still recovering from whatever they're recovering from. And a lot of people are deep within still these battles that and these challenges that have come up in the past uh, year and a half. And um, I know last summer in particular with the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movements and the protests and, you know, being completely fed up with having to have the same conversations in this country about 
um, you know, race relations and, and, and oppression and, and racism and police brutality. Um, and then, of course, all of the subsidiary, you know, conversations of how we come to terms with xenophobia in our in our mm. country. Um, I think, you know, it's it's frustrating when you're you're looking at a situation, you're looking at the world in chaos and we're still to this day experiencing these these battles and, and running into these walls and i know last summer um during the 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 protests um i kind of I, I it was a lot you know you 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 see people on social media being kind of you know you hope they aren't being performative but at the end of the day posting black squares or, or you know saying nice things and and the idea of on a social platform, um, trying to take into account, you know, your own internal biases and your own internal uh, um, prejudices, it, it was a lot to see that, you know, everywhere you turn, because yes, as much as I want to be able to kind of say my piece and, and, and you know, you want to scream at people um, through your computer screens, like, look, stop, stop this, you know, we need to start listening to each other, stop this, this, this divide, this division and then this unrest. But at the same time, you know, I, I needed to take a break and kind of, it was, it was traumatic. It was traumatizing. And, and I think it really made me kind of look in my own life at, um, things that, that I have experienced and things that people have said up until literally that, that day. And I, I had a conversation on the phone with someone who is close to me, um, an older woman, and she, um, an older, an older white woman, and she expressed to me her fears of her son being, um, targeted because of the color of his skin, who his son, her son is white, and, um, she said, one thing she said was, I now, I now understand how black mothers feel, and it kind of just took me off guard a little bit, because, here I am having this conversation with a woman who um, is inserting herself into a narrative that has nothing to do with her mm. and is making so many assumptions about about, you know, her own experiences and, 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 and not really taking into consideration, you know, systemic racism or white privilege or things like that. And um, it was really, really difficult for me to to talk to her about it because it was just so shocking. Some of the things that she said were just so shocking. Um, and I once again was in a situation where I had to <laughs> educate <laughs> someone who, who you, you would hope had already, you know, what it being 2020 at the time, you know, would have, should have already known these things and um, having a really hard time believing that I was having the conversation that I had and coming out of it just exhausted and, so, you know, at the same time that you can find these moments of opportunity to kind of build bridges with people in terms of experience, it's also frustrating when all of the responsibility is placed on you. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of just this sense of, you know, you want to be feel validated and, and everyone wants to feel validated, but I think it's just giving the people the platform to speak their own stories and not doubt them, I think goes such a long way in terms of whether it's, you know, in microaggressions, um, I think it's harder to identify within yourself what you're doing to help attribute to this narrative of um, taking away the voice of people who are, you know, feeling, who are systemically disadvantaged because of a system that you 
may benefit from unknowingly. And it's just, it's a lot. It was a lot. So I've, I've had, that was the most recent, I think, major conversation that I had um, was last summer where I was still sitting there on the phone thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. Like, mm. I can't believe I have to explain things to me that are so obvious to someone who, you know, is completely unaware. Mm. It's just, the world would be such a better place if we just listened more, right? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> because Maybe. <laughs> there's so much you can learn from listening. And like in that exact example, it was like, there's no need to insert yourself into that narrative. You can just listen to the experience, right? And I think that comes from any, for any marginalized group in this world. Like if people would actually just sit down and listen, then we'll get so much further to creating more space, right? Yeah, and not like get defensive or, Mm. you know, and I I think that's the main thing. People, People get defensive very easily now because everyone assumes that everyone's under attack. And um, I think that's the main thing that shuts down listening is if you're, if you're, if you're inserting your own experience first, instead of, you know, humbling yourself, swallowing the bitter pill and really opening yourself up to, yeah, I mean, we may all have internal flaws that we have to reckon with. Mm. And I mean, that's some of the hardest things to do in life, isn't it? To sit back. For and sure. think, look at yourself and be like, oh my God, I've got these flaws. Like, how do I address them? What have you kind of yeah. learned from sitting back and being with yourself in a whole new way in the, the last year? Because we've all had to pause mm-hmm. and stop and reflect on ourselves and who we are. What have you learned from that experience? It was so hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> it still is. I think, I mean, having to be by yourself and be alone with yourself and your thoughts and look in the mirror and see really really try and take a look at you know the things that are beautiful about you but also the things that are ugly I think it's really easy to be self-critical and and I know for me I'm 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 very self-critical uh in terms of you know I'm kind of a I always see the next goal I always see there's somewhere to improve and too much of that can then become you know really daunting but I I, yeah, it's been, it's been really hard. I mean, I've had my fair share of nights just like in bed crying into my cat's fur, you know, like (laughs) wishing I was a cat who, you know, I was like talking to him. His name is Butters. Like, Butters, you have it so easy. You don't have to think about any of this. Um, But, you know, I think it's just the uncertainty. It's, it's the uncertainty of can I make changes that I need to make? It's, Mm. It's the, you know, not knowing if you're strong enough to do to, to go to get through certain things and I think so many people have been tested and um this past year especially and so I I can only hope that people have found their strengths you know and 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 I mean and of course their weaknesses but in those weak moments really try to pull themselves out of it um because I mean that's all we, that's all we can try to do really and I'm still working on it but it's definitely yeah, it's definitely a journey. <laughs> oh my God, that journey. And I mean, one of the toughest things is to realize that sometimes in those dark moments and the moments of weaknesses is actually, it can be like sometimes some of your strongest moments when yeah. you look back, right? And I think what's so important about what Ginny and Georgia does as well is it talks about mental health and it kind of normalizes so much about it as well. What's your yeah. own journey been like with mental health and how's your relationship with that 
changed as you've gone through your life? I think it's, um, it used to be something that was kind of like taboo in my household. Mm. Uh, you know, growing up, it was just, we didn't, we didn't talk about therapy. We didn't talk about, you know, um, my parents, I, I'm, I'm very close with my parents and, and I think, you know, they did the best they could and I, and I, I'm, I'm happy with the job they did. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure they are too, but there were definitely moments where, you know, we didn't have certain conversations that I wish we did. And I, and I, what I do like in in the show is, um, even though we see Ginny struggling with this and it is a secret that she keeps to herself, um, in terms of how she copes with, with, her mental health and how she copes with um the things that she's going through we do see bits of you know her and her mother having conversations very candidly with each other and i and i never had that kind of relationship with my mom in terms of um being open about coming to her about things that were happening with my peers or peer pressure party sex um things like that and so uh what i do think that the show does well is it it provides that kind of template of look just talk to your kids and they'll talk back like if you know if you try um to make that connection and um that's what I really hope that and I and I have gotten messages from from audiences and fans who have said that you know um parents and and children alike um that they finally have had important conversations that they were too afraid to have with their parents about certain things. And that to me is just really, really wonderful because I think with mental health, you know, you need to, you need to find someone in your life who you can confide in and trust. And, um, whether that be a therapist or, um, you know, a parent or a friend or a family member, it's about communication first Mm. and feeling, you know, not feeling ashamed about feeling how you do. Um, and I think for me now as an adult, um, I'm realizing more and more just how important that is and, um, just how important therapy is and how helpful it is, but it is unfortunate how it's not accessible to so, so, so many people. And I think it's more about mental health in America, I think is more about, it's about accessibility. It's about educating people, um, on their, you know, the resources that are available to them and making it destigmatizing it, I think. And, um, I'm, I'm noticing within myself the destigmatizing of, of mental health and, um, knowing that it's, it's okay if you need help and most people do. And I think that's the first step toward, um, bettering yourself and becoming stronger, a stronger, healthier person. Mm. Because the real tea is, is that we all have mental health, don't we? Every yeah, single person. Yeah, we all person, have mental health that we need to like. We all take need care to, of. Yeah, we all need to look after, yeah. and it's just like just through being open and honest about it, you learn that there's so many people out there who've had similar experiences, and then all of a sudden, by exactly. vocalizing it, you then feel so much less alone, don't you? Alone, exactly. That's exactly right, and um, it helps to kind of see the forest instead of the trees um and kind of just i don't know i i i my hope is that we can see i think we're seeing that shift we're we're talk we're more open about um talking about things like mental health and and um reaching out to people and i think especially with social distancing it's hard to know if there are loved ones or people in your life who are suffering because it's through a computer screen or you can't you know i haven't seen some of my friends in over a year and so in person and so um 
I think it's more important now than ever before. Absolutely. And this is what making it rain is all about. <laughs> Queen is yes. like open on these conversations, breaking down those boundaries. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Exactly. And as a queen <laughs> yourself, who do you think has passed the crown onto you and who's inspired you? Um, professionally, I will say being able to work with the women that I worked with on the show, Anjani and Georgia, Sarah Lampert, the show creator, Deb Fisher, the showrunner, and Brianne Howie, who plays Georgia, like just the women and Anya Adams, the director, like just these women are so driven. They're so strong. They're so funny. They're, they don't put up, you know, they don't pretend. Okay. Like they don't, they are, they're not, you know, it's just funny to be able to walk on set and someone be like, hey, I need a tampon. And like, you know, like it doesn't matter. We're all, we all experience um, life and, and we're open about it and we're honest about it. And I, and that's being in a professional setting or that was in my, that was my environment. It really, I think was such a special thing for me to, to especially for it to be my first experience on a, in a real big role like this, um, to be able to look up to these women to know that um, going forward in, in this industry, I can I can speak up, I can speak my mind, I can say the things that I need to say and be heard, and it's damn well expected, you know? It should be expected. And um, to have that kind of reinforced by these women, these wonderful women, I think, I, I will always uh, value that. Oh my God, I love to hear it. And we're gonna be hearing I love it. more about <laughs> that after this quick break. Make It Rain is proud to be working with Aurelia London, the experts in probiotic skincare. I don't know about you, but coming out of winter, my skin is looking super dull. So to bring back my glow, I've been using Aurelia London's probiotic concentrate to supercharge my everyday skin routine, using it alongside the Aurelia London Day Moisturiser. Probiotic skincare gives the ultimate glow, no matter what your skin concern is, from fine lines to rosacea and even pigmentation or acne. And because Aurelia London and Make It Rain are all about empowering people to go inside and out, I have a special code for you. Get 20% off the entire range by heading to aureliolondon.com and using the code JOSH20 at the checkout. Welcome back, babe. We touched on this in slightly in the last part. We were talking about how the show destigmatizes so much stuff about growing mm-hmm. up, which I think is so important. But looking yeah. back at your own life growing up, what do you wish was kind of destigmatized at that time? For me, um, I feel that by the time I graduated high school, I feel like if I was just maybe three or four years younger, <laughs> then maybe my high school experience would have been or a little bit more, um, a little bit less stressful. I think we were still kind of um, uh, concerned with gender stereotypes, for example, and um, uh, being making sure that we were falling into mainstream ideas of how we were supposed to be. And I know I definitely struggled with that a lot uh, growing up, and I I didn't. I, you know, because I didn't fit into the idea of the, the typical, you know, idea of femininity and, and, and it wasn't something experiencing my body and, it, and living in my body 
from being a teenager and you know an adult you know in middle school through through high school i i felt deeply uncomfortable with um things that i was expected to do just because of being a girl just because of being being um you know who i was and so i i did struggle with with my identity in that sense i remember um like <laughs> i didn't want you know how every you know like in mean girls everyone's like oh you know um so and so has they you know you you dress a certain way to be the popular girl and and um and just like in middle school for among girls it's it's oh who who got their period first and and are they wearing are they starting to wear bras now and things like that and i i was always kind of uncomfortable with with conversations like that because i knew with that came the male gaze and and it made me it made my skin crawl and so i mm. would really i would much like jenny actually i would hide underneath my clothes and i uh i i would wear i would make sure i like i secretly ordered breast binders on the internet um <laughs> uh without my parents knowing and i would wear them to just because i didn't like i was like i don't want to grow boobs like i don't want boys to look at me and i like would wear you know i would i would dress in 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 boys clothes i would i would kind of hide away uh any sort of um part of me that i was uncomfortable with with you know exposing to the world because of what i was supposed to do at the time and you know what i love now is that you you see it's still difficult and it's still a journey that everyone has to take in terms of you know how they feel comfortable expressing their identity and um and that can take any sort of form it takes throughout one's lifetime but i i do like to see now that young people especially teenagers are feeling a lot more open and confident with exploring that aspects that that aspect of themselves and um it's it's a it seems to be anyway a, a more open concept than it was when i was that age and so that is something that i wish i could have embraced more was just being comfortable in my own skin being comfortable in my own body and not worrying about what other people wanted from me so because mm. i mean i remember being told oh why do you dress like that like you're barely even a girl or why do you wear your hair that way this is why you're not going to get a boyfriend and things like that and just being being completely at odds with i guess the the times um <laughs> but but barely just like on the cusp of it so yeah, yeah. I, I so know what you mean about those gender stereotypes because speaking as someone who was like a very and i hate using these words like feminine masculine but being a very like yeah. feminine boy and then mm -hmm. when i was like having to be forced to play like rugby at school oh and like around to like rugby tackle people and i was like oh my god <laughs> like literally like and also just being so freaked out because then knowing that i was like yeah. gay living in this like teenage body and then also being like oh my god well if i touch these boys they're probably gonna think i'm gay and i'm gonna be out and then i'm gonna be <laughs> stuffed but like oh my god that's like it's so it's so difficult isn't it when you're trying to understand yourself and this is what we were saying at the um at the top of this chat as well it's about the boxes isn't it the boxes just yes, need to be yeah. broken down they need to be put in the recycling bin and sent out to the right. trash and then we never want to see them again like that's <laughs> we what we need to again. happen <laughs> exactly exactly and it's it's so difficult because especially as kids we we take as teenagers we take cues from everyone around us and mm. something as simple something as simple as you know if you hear your friend saying something misogynist or homophobic or or you know any sort of microaggression or even macro you know if you notice that something as simple as calling that out in the moment that 
does so much more than you know ignoring it and and trying to make these big posts about it later or whatever do you know what i mean like it's it starts within your own Mm. social group and um the more accepting and we can be of each other be um with each other but also the more we hold ourselves and our friends and our peers accountable i think um that is the gradual change that we need and it's it's really important these small little instances um are important to to witness and to to address in the moment because but i know it's hard to do that as well because there's so many times where i've like i said where i've been like told crazy outrageous things and i'm like am i really hearing what i'm hearing and i and i don't say anything in the moment and it's not until i'm showering later that i'm like damn it i wish i oh i should have (laughs) just you really should have laid one in them and like (laughs) and then you're Um, having the debate with the shower bottle because that's what happens to me and i'm literally then like (laughs) I'm just going to tell yeah. you this right now because I should have said it to you earlier, but I can't. But that is so, yeah. but that's so important what you're saying there because <laughs> everyone needs to recognize that you don't need like one million followers on Instagram to have a platform. Mm-hmm. Your platform starts with you. You are your platform, yes. right? And, yes, exactly. And you can go into any social situation and that is your platform, right? And if you're hearing mm-hmm. these things, call them out if you feel safe to do so. Like that's how- If you feel safe to do so. Yeah, because if we can create change in our own pockets of the world and everyone does that, then the pockets come together and create a whole world of change, right? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, No, it's, I I think that's just, that's that's it and that's the thing. But I, I, I do know it is a much bigger, it's a big, it's a big mountain to climb. And I think we're all climbing it in our own ways. Uh, so that's why I, like I said, I, I think I'm happy to see the conversations come forward a lot more now than it did. I think when like 10 years ago or six, how old, how old, how, old, how long ago was I Jenny's age? <laughs> seven years. <laughs> so, um, I think, I think, yeah, just in just seven years time, I have noticed a difference from when I was that age versus now. Um, so I think there's a lot of progress being made. I do. I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. In the words of Diana Ross, ain't no mountain high enough. We can get to that top of that mountain, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> Into it. Because you were just saying you didn't feel so confident in yourself and your yeah. body. Do you feel sitting here today, you're the most confident you've been and do you feel like you're you can sit here and say you're wearing your crown with the most pride than you ever have done before i will say more days now than i had before um every day it's it's an up and down um but i i will say in a lot of ways yes i feel a lot more i've accepted a lot more of myself i i think i love myself a lot more than i did back then and um and because of that i'm trying to make sure that i can funnel that love outwardly as well because when you don't like who you are when you're uncomfortable or insecure about a lot of things about yourself you can take it out on others you can um kind of shut yourself off and uh I know I had a really hard time with that growing up and now I I've I've come a long way and um I just feel so I feel like it's having the platform that I do now like yes uh, you know, it's, it is a lot more, um, there is a lot more responsibility, I think, that I innately carry, and, um, and I want to make sure that I'm honest and authentic and just kind of trying to be as, as positive as I can, but also as realistic. Like, yeah, I have, I have days where I'm like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, girl, what? Like, what are you doing? And, um, or, you know, I, I, um, you know, sometimes when you get, 
when when you still experience microaggressions or you get catcalled or you get you know like I said reduced to something that someone else wants to reduce you to it is still hard I mean just because you're older doesn't make it easier necessarily but um but I feel like I have grown a lot since then and um I just hope that I can I can be someone who you know, I know a lot of my fans are, are teens and they're in middle school and high school and they're trying to figure out who they are and they're trying to figure out, navigate life. And so if I could give any words of advice to them, um, I, I, I hope that it helps them accept themselves and embrace themselves in, a, in an environment that is so, so uh, confusing. Mm. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so confusing. Just looking back on it, I'm just like, oh, I would never want to go I back know, to I know, I cringe. I cringe. <laughs> I'm literally like, I'm cringing for like 14-year-old Josh, who's like sat <sighs> there with the acne, who's literally just like so uncomfortable themselves. And someone said this to me the other day, like everyone in life is kind of like a Russian doll and you take the younger you with you yes. wherever you go, right? And so That's I true. sometimes feel like I go into life in certain situations, I think, oh my God, 14 year old me would be so proud of me right now. And it'd be like, yes, yes. I thought of that. Yeah. It's like, yes, babe, go get them. Do you think that, yes. say, like 15 year old you would be so proud of you and what you've been able to do in terms of overcoming those confidence hurdles? I think so. I think, I actually, that's funny you asked that because I, the last night, just last night, I was, because I'm at my parents' house right now, I'm visiting. And, um, I went into my little, you know, my bed, my, I had a little chest that has all my diaries in it. And I picked one that was like from 2010 where I was in like eighth grade. So, um, I, and I was just reading it and I was like, oh my God, this poor girl like is so confused, is so insecure and is, you know, is hurting and has no idea, like is doubting herself so much. And if I, if I knew then that I would have had the opportunities that I've been so lucky to have now, um, I would not believe it. And so mm. I definitely think, I definitely think my 15, 14, 13 year old self would be like jaw dropped at, <laughs> at what I've been able to so gratefully do, um, by now. Oh my God. What was in the diary? <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like sitting at lunch and just like in the morning, you know, when you go into the we would go into the commons and we'd just like sit down and some kids would be eating breakfast and others would be like, I don't know, shooting the shit. But um, I, I would like write things of like, <sighs> so existential, like what is the purpose of school? And what is the purpose of having friendships if you can't be yourself? And I'm like, yo, you need to relax. Um, <laughs> and things like, what am I even doing here? What do I think I'm going to achieve in my short life <laughs> over here talking like i'm a 65 year old woman who's done nothing with her life and I'm like calm calm down you're 13 so <laughs> calm down you're 13 you've so got it do you think as well in terms of like how representation has changed in the beauty industry and also on tv and in movies and in entertainment in general has helped you be more confident in yourself and and feel more like valued seen and heard especially like the way that this tv show does yeah for sure definitely i think if i had a tv show like Ginny and georgia growing up i oh man i don't know what how much different my life would have been really different i think and the way i viewed myself would have been really different um i i think it's very important and and because you know if you don't see yourself if you don't see yourself in 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 
whether it's in the beauty industry, if you if you're not if you don't see yourself reflected in it, then you you won't feel that you're beautiful. If you if there are standards that don't fit what you how you look and how you are, and it's constantly perpetuated as the ideal, then you won't feel ideal. If you don't see yourself in roles, you know, on movies and television, if you don't see people who look like you in leadership roles as presidents, as, as uh, you know, people who are successful, and even on the barest minimum, like just people who are happy and, and doing their thing or, 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 you know, struggling with the same things you are, but, but overcoming it. If you don't see those things, if you don't see those stories, then you won't feel like you matter and you won't feel like you can get out of any situation that you're in or improve or, you know, whatever your dreams may be, they'll feel even farther away than they really are. And so I think we have a, a huge responsibility to make sure that we are including and diversifying as much as we can, not for some tokenism, not to meet a quota, not not for any other reason than this is important for our society. This is important for the health of our country mentally, physically. This is important for us to move forward and be and make and make progress interpersonally um, because that is something that we latch onto most and um, re- reflecting positivity for so many, so many more than what we're used to um, seeing is such a good thing and it's. Um, I'm I'm happy to see the changes being made and we have a lot of work to do but I I am glad to be a part of it during this time um because because it's it, it is important. Mm. And you get to continue that work babe because <laughs> you are about to go into well season 2 has been announced it's happening. Jean George yes. season 2. Yes, giving yes. us the goods that we all need. Yes. Yes. I know. We were all biting our fingernails, <laughs> chewing off our limbs. <laughs> but if you could be in that writer's room right now, creating the second season, what would you love to see happen? Oh, man. Oh, man. I I just want, I want to see friendships being, I loved the moments with Ginny and Marcus uh, when they just like, Marcus is like the only one who listens to Ginny, okay? And... I think in a lot of ways, Ginny's the only one who listens to Marcus. And just to see them kind of be open about their feelings and, and, and just to talk about it in a vulnerable way. Like, I want to see more of that. I want to see, I want to see the barriers break down for a little bit. And um, I also want to see Georgia get, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm curious about this whole detective situation. Um, and, you know, I love me some murder mysteries <laughs> going on. Um, but I, I think I would just I just love these characters and I'm excited for their stories to be explored and I'm also terrified of what um Sarah's big brain the creator <laughs> is gonna do so we'll see we'll see what we try to tackle on in season two well we're excited for it and we've already come to the end of the episode which I'm devastated about babe, oh my gosh. I love talking to you <laughs> I kept talking so much babe <laughs> This is a place for everyone to talk and say what they think. <laughs> so don't you worry about it. But at the end of every episode, I always ask, in the reign of your life, what is the one rule you will always live by? Oh my gosh. Okay, 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 okay. The one rule that I would always live by. You are who you want to be in any given moment. Oh, I love that. When have you relied on that rule at times? Man, 
I feel I feel invincible. <laughs> I love that. Don't do it for anybody else. Do it for you. You know? Always. You have to look after the relationship with yourself, right? That's the most important thing of all. Yes, yes. Because if you don't, then you, how are you going to help anybody else? You can't help yourself. Exactly. You got to. Yes! <laughs> well, I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much for making it I rain. I love this too. Thank oh my you. God, this has been like <laughs> so much goodness. And like, <laughs> honestly, I wish I had a TV show like this when I was growing up. And I think it's so important and it's so powerful in so many ways. And what you're doing is incredible. So keep making it rain, Queen. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, Queens. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and take just as much away from it as I have. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts from so you'll know which amazing queen is joining me next time. And make sure you share this around your friends and get those conversations going because we need each other now more than ever before. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.